It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. He's working for the star on that uh, on that Pacers beat now. I don't know if you know this. Pacers won eight of their last ten. They're three and a half games out of the Central, and all of a sudden, uh, starting to uh, make some noise. Yeah, so we're gonna talk to him a little bit about um, you know you know about that and uh, what's what's going on with the Pacers because yeah, are are they good now? Is that's what is that's what's happening? I just don't know. So we'll talk to the man himself about that. Uh, he's always a great guest. Uh, lucky to have him on here. So uh, we'll have him in uh, just a few minutes. But let's go ahead and uh, let's get started with today's need to know news. Here's your need to know news. All right, Purdue women's hoops are in action tonight at Mackey. There are still plenty of tickets available. They're taking on. Michigan Wolverines are 13 and 3 this season. It's a good squad. Need your help. Second best scoring defense in the Big Ten is Michigan. Kind of feel like this women's team is a little bit of a turning point here. This going to be a big win tonight if they can do that in conference play. You can't get out and support them. They are on Big Ten Network. That game tips off 6:30 tonight. Bulls coming up a little bit short at Boston, 107-99. The Celtics, the league's uh, top team, Levine with 27 to lead the charge for Chicago. Vooch, 13 boards. It ain't enough. The Bulls fall to 19-22. and And now a trip to D.C. tomorrow to take on the Wizards. GM's doing end-of-the-year press conferences today. The Bears have the top pick in the draft, and Ryan Poles addressed the media on the possibility of taking a quarterback. Wait, what? Quoteth the polls. Uh, we're going to do the same as we've always done. We'll evaluate the draft class. And I would say this. I would have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision. We can evaluate the talent there. We can see what player presents themselves in that position to us. And then we can look at the scenarios. The phones go off. And there are certain situations that can help us. We'll go down that avenue, too. I think we have a really good flexibility to help this team, regardless if it's making the pick there or moving back a little bit or moving back a lot. We'll be open to everything. Meanwhile, the Colts uh, a bit different in, uh, in tone. Greg Ballard says, I failed. Laid out a plan today that included considering Jeff Saturday as a candidate in the team's coaching search. Had a willingness to trade up as well to the first overall pick to leapfrog Houston at number two. Just to fix the quarterback position. 
Today, Ballard said, I failed. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. I failed a lot of people. Looking back on it, when you're changing quarterbacks every year, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough on everybody, tough on the team. Not getting that position settled has a little something to do with the team's predicament. Asked if he would trade up into that top spot with the Bears to get a quarterback. He said, uh, yes, I do whatever it takes. We'll see. I don't know that I buy it. Colts fans, I made this prediction. I honestly, I'm not trying to be a hater or anything like that. I don't see them mortgaging the future. And it's going to take several first-round picks. I think there'll be hype around C.J. Stroud. I think there'll be a minimalization of Bryce Young. And then an oversell of Will Levis and his abilities. Physical abilities. I think the Colts decide it's too expensive to move into one. And they settle for Will Levis. I think that's what the future holds for the Indianapolis Colts. And then they'll try to tell you that, hey, listen, we know he's he's got all the physical tools. He's just got to limit the turnovers. And you're going to be dealing with a younger, stronger, uh, more zip on the ball, Matt Ryan. That's unfortunately what I think is going to happen there to the uh, to the Indianapolis Colts. I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I think that there's going to be some teams are going to recoil at the size of Bryce Young. I think teams are going to fawn over a big guy like Levis, who has a big arm, a very quick release, and a big frame. I just uh, I think that's where this quarterback class is. What else do you, who else is in there that I think you feel super excited about to draft with the number, you know, three or four overall spot? I I think they bulk it young. I don't know if a guy like Hendon Hooker is intriguing enough to them because I don't, there's still something to be said, I think, about tradition in the way teams play. I don't know that a mobile quarterback like that is something that they'd be all about. But I think Levis's frame and strength and arm, Lord knows he's got a great release, a real great quick release. But the turnovers are just there. I'm not super huge on this draft class. There's some guys in there, yeah, but like fourth overall pick guys. Is Bo Nix a fourth overall pick guy for you out of Oregon? Yeah. Clayton Toon in Houston. Anthony Richardson out of Florida. I don't know. Are you going to talk yourself into Bryce Young? I just, I, I don't see it. I think it came down to Bryce Young and it came down to Will Levis. I think they would go to Will Levis. That's just how I see it. Put me down. Maybe he ends up on freezing cold takes. Personally, I think you'd be better off taking Levis instead of giving up three or two or three first round picks, maybe a second as well. I mean, think about how much you're going to have to mortgage to move up 
three spots just to get C.J. Stroud away from Houston. And Chicago's not taking it. This is your annual reminder. Between now and draft day, you can literally not trust one word out of a GM's mouth. Can't do it. They all want to put up smoke signals. They all want to try to confuse other teams. They want to put them off certain players, hoping that they fall. They want to act like they might trade up, but they really don't want to because they're trying to get somebody else. They'll lie about really being tuned into one guy and see if they can get somebody else. Maybe we can get them out of that spot. They can get that guy a few picks later. I mean, it's all just maneuvering at this point. The Bears are not taking a quarterback. It's just not happening. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, all right. Uh, best bets. Hey, last night, look, TCU cover. I can't believe the offense was that bad. We had you hit the um, the Stetson Bennett touchdown. Boom, and crushed that. I mean, over was in play. Over takes care of it. I am shocked at just how poorly TCU Played on offense in that one. Shocked. They're better than that. Georgia came in and absolutely whooped them. So, what are we doing here tonight? Uh, We do have some college basketball here tonight. There is a Big Ten game. Wisconsin and Michigan State. It's in the Kohl Center. Right now, Wisconsin is a one-point dog. I just, I, I hate this game. I don't know that I necessarily want to do. Uh, do we know anything about Tyler Wall yet? I don't think we do. He's a, he is a game time decision. And even if he does play, which I don't know that he is, he hasn't practiced in well over a week. How effective is he going to be? And it's an ankle injury, too. You hope that he's not being rushed back. But if you think he's going to be effective, I mean, I'm watching him in warm-ups here from uh, the game on the 7th, and he still looks a little bit ginger on that thing. But if you're a big buyer in him, why not take this one tonight and take that point for Wisconsin? I don't want to mess with it because... I don't have all of my variables on this one. Sometimes the best bet is the one that you don't make. I hate saying something like that. But when it comes to Big Ten hoops here tonight, I just don't know how you can bet anything confidently when it comes to this game. I felt like the over-under was a little bit low at 128. Michigan State's last seven night games against top 25 opponents have all gone to at least 132 or more points. Here's a fun stat for you. Wisconsin has won the first half in each of its last nine Tuesday home games against conference opponents. Nine? Michigan State seems like it's kicked it in. They've won their last six, but... They haven't exactly been playing the cream of the crop in the Big Ten. 
Michigan State's given up at least 64-plus points in 10 of its last 11 games against ranked opponents. Those are the stats that I have for you on this one. It's just it, it, that's a, it's a real tough one for me to predict for you. I was trying to go through here tonight and find something. You know, I wanted to get in on Butler. They're at St. John's as a three-and-a-half-point dog. If I want to get into a road dog tonight. Ball State's taking on Ohio as a two-point dog. I, mean, I really couldn't find a favor. I'm like, oh, man, let's, let's get into that. Kansas at home, a ten-and-a-half-point dog. If you want to ride in, uh, on Wisconsin, and again, I'm not... I'm not in on Wisconsin, but you can get a boost with my friends from DraftKings on Wisconsin in Kansas money lines this evening. It's right up there in the promos. Hit the opt-in. It normally plays at 120 plus 129. You can get a 50% boost on that tonight. And that'll get you pretty darn close to the two to one. Kansas is minus five seventy. Ugh. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that boost. I don't like adding huge under or huge favorites like that. Only bad things can happen. And I feel like I'm I feel like I'm paying for a lot of extra risk and stuff like that. Uh, they do have stepped up uh, NHL parlay boost for you tonight. Can't bet against the Blackhawks, which stinks this evening. I don't know. There's a ton of great. There's not even great hockey matchups tonight. Jeez, I had to suffer through last night's national championship game. Now I get like a slate of this. Ugh. I got to get back in the lab. I got to find a winning pick here. We're gonna take a break. Dustin Dopierak coming up next here with some Pacers talk for you. Uh, well, that is uh, all coming up here on the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer 101. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. To the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. And we're going to bring in our uh, good old buddy to talk Pacers. Not IU anymore. He's, he's, he's moving on up here. Dustin Opirak is on with us here uh, with the uh, Pacers uh, beat now. Uh, buddy, congratulations on uh, moving on up there to the NBA. Uh, what's it been like uh, covering the uh, Pacers as opposed like, kind of give me some of the subtle differences that you've noticed here, uh, covering that beat as opposed to uh, when you're down south. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously just a drastic difference just because – and also thanks for the congratulations. I appreciate that, too. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it just – obviously just the difference between, you know, college kids and pros and certainly, um, you know, especially the, the bigger program that you cover um, at, uh, you know, at, at the college level and the more media attention there is. Uh, the, the more restrictions there are, basically. They, they don't want to overwhelm them. They don't want to put too many guys in a position to say something that they don't uh, want to damage the brand. And so everything is you know, relatively restricted. It's more so at Indiana than it is at Purdue simply because there's just a bigger uh, overall media base uh, covering Indiana. There's just more guys showing up, at, uh, more people showing up uh, at availability. And so everything was sort of... You know, difficult to get, and, and in the NBA, just I mean, there's mandated open locker room. I mean, it, it, the locker room's got to be open for an hour and a half, uh, or not, not? I'm sorry, for it's a half an hour, starting an hour and 15 minutes before the game. The locker room has to be open, so you can just go in and talk to whoever you want. Now, obviously, they're pra- they're warming up and lifting and all that stuff, so they're not always there, but you get to actually you know connect and talk with the guys. It's, it's just different. I mean, it's obviously again, this is all they're doing. They're professionals. Um, you know, they're adults. 
you know, everything. Uh, you know, some of these guys have wives, kids, families, the whole bit. So it's just a different world. And the game is so different. I mean, I think that's one thing that really stood out to me. I, I, I knew that intrinsically, but sort of just seeing, uh, again, just the, the, the pace, the level of skill, the level of talent, the fact that everybody's good. Um, you know, is is something else to watch. It's like when every night you're just you're you're watching these games and you, you think about what a, what's a good game at a co- or a big game at a college level that everybody comes to watch, and you're like every single team that comes in the game bridge has players that are better, you know, better than the best, you know, college players you saw, and it's it's incredible on a given night just to see, I guess, the level of talent, the level of skill. And just how much these guys go at it, and obviously the surprising part is it's been really fun to cover uh, a Pacers team that nobody expected to be, you know, really competitive at the top level of the league, and at this point is very much uh, a playoff team. Yeah, winners of eight of their last ten here. So you know, I think you know we, we've grown up around here for quite some time. We've always known the Pacers to be that middling team. They they don't they, they're good enough to maybe just barely make the playoffs, but not really make a run, and uh, they're not bad enough to get far enough down in the draft to really get guys of. Uh, a major consequence that can uh, turn around a franchise. But here they are sitting at 23-18, and 18, just three and a half games now behind Milwaukee. Uh, they got some good wins here over this uh, eight of the last ten uh, on the road at Boston's great. Uh, anytime you can beat the Cavaliers, I know they struggled with them uh, last year, uh, but the, they got a victory there. Is this Pacer team, I mean, is, is it good? Is it just having a moment? Like, what what is going on with them? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's pretty good. I mean, the you know, obviously, what what you have to sort of point out is that there is starting to be, you know, the, the tiers are starting to form uh, in the East. Obviously, you're at the halfway point. You're getting a sense of okay, who's really a title contender, and you know, who's a playoff team, and and you know, sort of who's going to be, uh, you know, just going for the lottery and getting into Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes, which could change someone's franchise in a heartbeat. Um, but obviously, the Pacers they're, they're in sixth in the East, and that kind of makes sense uh, for where they are. I mean, you, you don't you know, even though they beat Boston on the road, and that's a really could win. Uh, you know, they're not winning this with the same level of consistency as the Celtics have or the Bucks have. Uh, and certainly the, the Nets, obviously, having just run off a ton of wins in a row, they're, they're not performing at that level. But, you know, they're right, they're behind them and they, they can beat anybody um, and, uh, on a given night. I mean, like, you, you've seen better Pacers teams, don't get me wrong. You know, they're not at the level they were with the Reggie Miller era. They're not at the, the level they were when, you know, they peaked in the Paul George years when they were competing with, uh, you know, LeBron teams, you know, for titles. They're not at that level yet. But, um, they they look like a playoff team. They are winning enough that you could you can legitimately see it, and that is it stands out because of, of where they were expected to be. But also, it, this team is really really young. I mean, after you know their starting lineup has one guy over twenty six, two guys over twenty three. You know that's how young they are. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it, you know obviously Tyrese Halliburton is a franchise cornerstone. Uh, you know he's twenty two and he's got just a different level of maturity. You know it, it's it, he's got a few years in the league now, obviously, but he's you know, really the type of guy that um, you can build around because he just he believes in just building. Um, he's he's big on just connecting to teammates, big on making sure that you know other guys are are getting their numbers. You know more than he is about getting his own. Um, and he's always been sort of a pass first guy, but he's also very creative in how he does it. And can certainly can score on his own, in his own right. Is still a leading scorer. Um, and they, like, I think the biggest thing is that you just see a formula for them being really good in the future. And the fact that they're good enough now, even to be a playoff team with the considerations, just tells you that the long-term trajectory is really, really good. We're talking with Dustin Pirac here from the uh, Indy Star Pacers beat writer on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. And uh, you talk about him trying to make sure his teammates get his stats. I mean, leads the league in assists right now. I know he's, uh, what, uh, top three in steals as well. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's a piece I think that... Uh, 
fans of basketball in Indiana, you can appreciate a guy like that, that wants to be that stone, that doesn't need to be the focal point, uh, but can be a great facilitator uh, for your squad. Then you add in a guy like Buddy Heald, who's, uh, well, he, I mean, this is a guy's top five in the, in the league in three-pointers, main on top of that, too. It just seems like they have some really, really nice pieces here. Do they have all-stars, though, on this team? I mean, I think Tyrese is going to be one. I, I think it's going to be close. I, I don't think he's going to be elected um, as, a, as a starter. But I think he ultimately makes it, because especially you know if, if he stays at or near the top of the assist uh, rankings, I think he gets in. I mean, I think, honestly, the guy that's, you know, he's, he's going to be one if James Harden doesn't play enough games uh, by the All-Star break. I mean, Harden's got averaging, I think, 10.8, but he's only played, I think, 24 games for injuries or management or whatever. Um, and so if he's at the top and the Pacers are still in, in playoff position by the time they pick these all-stars, uh, then I think he's definitely going to be there. And I think Halliburton is going to be one long-term. You know, the rest of the guys, I mean, I think Benedict, Benedict Matherin is eventually going to be an all-star. I don't think it's going to happen this year. He, he, he still occasionally has one of those games games every once in a while where he disappears, but he's getting really good really fast as a rookie. He's the number six overall pick. He's, he's leading, I think, all bench players in scoring. He's second among rookies to Paolo Banchero. I mean, he has a chance to be a really, really, really good player. Um, you know, Turner... Turner and Heald, um, you know, are, are going to be also rants in that discussion. But the, as you said, they're really, really good. Buddy Heald, I think, right now is still leading um, the NBA in three-pointers made. Obviously, has been able to pass Steph Curry's. Steph as Curry's been on the shelf uh, with the shoulder injury that he actually suffered in, the, in their last game in Cambridge. Um, but there, there are good enough pieces. Now, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think that they have multiple all-stars, and I think if to, to win a championship, you generally have to have at least two guys that are at that level and other guys that are close, and, and they're not quite there. Or, or you have to have one true, you know, force of nature, like, uh, you know, the Bucks have Giannis, and, and you know, like Dallas has Luka and, and stuff like that. Um, they don't have anybody at that level. I would, you know, as good as I think Halliburton is, I wouldn't put him on, on that in that tier. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's, he's a unique and special talent in the NBA. Like there, there are a lot of unique and special talents in the NBA because these guys are just genetically incredible. Um, but Halliburton's, again, just ability to connect, to, to connect teammates, um, you know, both with personality and with the way he plays um, is, is, is pretty special. And I think that uh, it's going to lead it to Indiana being a place you want to go play because it's not just being around a really good player. It's being around a, a guy who wants to make everybody better, wants to make sure everybody shines. And I think that's going to be really good for them long term because, you, you know, you're going to be able to say you get to play with Tyrese and that's fun. Like, you will really enjoy that. It's not just you'll be in the presence of a great player. You'll be in the presence of a guy who will make you individually a better player. He'll get you wins, and then he'll get you paid. You know, like, if, if you come to Indiana for a couple of years, you can go get a free agent contract after that that's even bigger because you're going to get numbers playing for Tyrese. So I think that ultimately leads to big things in the future. Now, like again, I don't think they can contend for a title. I don't think they win playoff series against somebody like Boston who's got Tatum and Brown and stuff, or a, a, a team like Milwaukee with Giannis, or a team like the 76ers with Embiid. Those guys are just a different level than anybody the Pacers have. Um, but they have a lot of good pieces that can make them really challenging. I think really, really uh, a really tough out as, you know, going into next season, the season after that, the season after that. Well then, Dustin, you know, with, with Tyrese is dominating the assist category, you know, Miles Turner's top five in the league in blocks. Uh, you know, we talked about Buddy Hill being one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Tyrese also top five in steals. 
So then I guess my question is, what do the Pacers then need to be a title contender? It seems like they're maybe a piece away from doing that. So uh, what do they need to be able to go out there and, and beat a Philadelphia, to beat a Milwaukee, to, to beat a Boston? Uh, what do they have to uh, go out there and find to become title contenders once again? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of reasonable, that, that, that's gettable. I mean, I, I don't know that you're going to see them go give somebody a Supermax deal that, um, you know, gets them over the top there. You know, it gets them a player at that in that MB you know, Tatum, Giannis category. Um, but what they need right now to get better, if you just sort of look at what's not there, uh, they could really use a power forward who can really, really rebound. Um, that's, I think, just what they're missing right now. I mean, Miles Turner is a pretty good rebounder, um, but after that, it kind of falls off. I mean, right now they're, they're playing small lineups. I mean, they've, they've sort of, uh, you know, kind of dedicated to that. They want to run, and they have two really young defenders who have played their, themselves into the starting lineup um, on defense, basically. And Andrew Nemhard, as a rookie uh, out of Gonzaga, has, has been just a revelation. I mean, he's been, been terrific. He doesn't have huge numbers because uh, he doesn't take a lot of shots, um, but he's defending the best player on the floor every night. I mean, he guarded LeBron. James, he guards Stephen Curry, um, and Damian Lillard. Like he's taking on those assignments and doing really, really well with them. Um, and you know, Aaron Neesmith um, is basically playing the four at six five, and he's been really effective. I mean, he's he's kind of a, a guy that can defend some bigger wings, guys that are a little bit better than bigger than what uh, Nemhard can generally handle. And those two guys together give them a pretty good defensive base. The issue is with the ball when the ball comes off the the rim. Uh, you know, when, when it's among the trees, Turner's the only guy that can really grab it. Um, you know, obviously guys can chase down long boards and stuff like that. And, and, and Neesmith gets sort of his share and is a really good hustle guy. But I mean, if he's going up against somebody who's six, six, eight, two forty, he's generally going to lose that battle. And so for that reason, I think they're, they give up the second most off or uh, second chance points in the league. I mean, I, I'm not sure what they're rebounding, you know, cause you got to figure out what exactly is the rebounding number that matters. Um, and you know, the, that's been an issue there. They have, when they've been beaten, uh, it's generally by teams that really kill them on the glass. Um, and so that's the issue they could really use. Like, you know, one number I've seen, one name I've seen circulated is Obi Toppin. I mean, that seems like a guy who fits just somebody that can really muscle up in there and throw some people around, um, and just make it diff- more difficult for teams to come in and get offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities. Cause that I think is what really was really killing them. That would be the, the, the biggest step is just to be able to put somebody who's a little bit taller at the four, and I don't know how that would ultimately shake things up as far as what it would cost, you know, Neesmith, Nemhart, those guys, because um, they're going to need to keep healed and, and Halliburton and Turner on the floor for sure, but they could just use just a little bit more size uh, that could help them enough on the glass. Uh, Dustin, again, you can always find him uh, writing for the Indianapolis Star, taking care of the Indiana Pacers beats. Uh, he does such a great job. We've uh, followed his writing and had him on the show multiple times here, and it's always great to connect with him. Pacers uh, heading out to New York to take on the Knicks. Uh, that game tomorrow night. Uh, will they be able to shut down John Starks? That's my big question here. Uh, <laughs> Going back. So someone's got to stop him at the rim, man. He can throw down. You know that. Well, you got to ask that one for Derek Schultz. Otherwise, uh, he'll get mad. I left that question on the table if I don't ask about John Stark. So, you know, how big of a Knicks fan he is. So I just got to throw that out there and show him some love. Dustin, hey, it's always a pleasure sure. catching up with you, my friend. Uh, congratulations, like I said, on the uh, new beat. I think you're doing a great job so far. Uh, I enjoy reading. I know that. And, uh, yeah, en- enjoy New York, my friend. I'm not going to be there. I'm not making the trip. Akeem Glaspie's going to be up there. But, uh, thank there you. you. Thanks for that. Too. It's it's so nice in late January out there in New York. The weather's beautiful. I know, I know, I know. Akeem turned it into a cool three-game trip because he's covering Butler up there too. So they got a couple games. I think at Satan Hall and St. John. So he's he's doing the uh, he, he's doing the tra- or the the Jersey New York deal. So it's going to be it's, it should be a cool trip. But it'll be an interesting one. Uh, yeah, and, night, and, sure. and you don't and you don't miss those trips to L.A. and Miami, do you? Though those those road trips are sorry, buddy. There's nobody else can cover those has got to be me 
Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin, take care, buddy. Always a pleasure. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. To the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline we go again. And we're going to bring in uh, Scott Caitlin over there at Purdue Sports. A uh, busy week uh, here for uh, Purdue Athletics. I know there's not a ton of stuff on the calendar at home, but uh, they do have a whole lot of stuff going on. Guys, always a pleasure. Uh, we got a big one tonight, by the way. 6.30, get on over to Mackey. It's women's basketball against uh, Michigan. Tickets are available for this, yes? Yes, there are. Like you said, the game's at 6.30. Uh, tonight in Mackey, women's basketball is back home. Uh, very exciting matchup for us. Um, nothing super special going on around the game, but as our season ticket holder, bring a friend game. So we have emailed all of our season ticket holders with a promo prior to game day to hopefully have them redeemed to bring their friends with us and join us tonight. Um, but, yeah, like I said, fun matchup. I'm looking forward to a fun game this evening. That'll be great. Uh, shout out to Coach Gerald's and company over there. Uh, trying to uh, make their way through the Big Ten season. They could use your help because that's a good Michigan team tonight. So get on out there. If you can't get out there, it is on BTN, but the cool kids will be out there. So uh, just saying, uh, get your tickets and uh, go and support this squad. That brings us to Friday the 13th. Are you guys uh, superstitious or are you just a little stitious? I'm pretty superstitious. Um, But we do have a game on Friday. So uh, men's basketball is playing Nebraska here in Mackey at 7 p.m. on Friday. That game is sold out. Um, so you have to tune in on TV or online to watch. Um, with that, we also have our Hammerdown Cancer basketball game at men's coming up. That is on the 22nd. So we currently have um, our ribbon board message donations set up. Similar to football, basically you go on to the Boilermaker shout-out page on PurdueSports.com. Minimum donation of $25, and we will put a message up on our video boards uh, for you during that game on the 22nd. Um, we also are auctioning off shooting shirts. The winning bidders will be able to put um, a message on the back of those that the team will wear. And then we are also auctioning off the MLK warm-up shirts that the team is wearing on the 16th at Michigan State. The uh, whole team will sign all shirts, so all those auctions are up. So head on over to PurdueSports.com. And stay tuned to our social media pages for more information. I feel like if you are going to bid on one of those jerseys and put the message on the back, uh, not only is Zach Eady like a front runner for National Player of the Year, but I feel like you're getting a lot of bang for your buck on the real estate. That should be like a premium, right? Just because the size <laughs> of that one. Uh, if you're going to get a big message in there, I mean, that's a, that's the jersey to get, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know what size he wears. Um, the message, just to clarify, the message is on the shooting shirts, um, not the jersey. But, okay, sorry. Um, no, you're good. Just want to make sure it's, that it's still going to be a darn big shirt for him. I know that. Okay. Yeah, I probably. I, I don't know. Two XL, <laughs> maybe he's tall. He's uh, yeah. I, I've heard such things. People have mentioned that before. All right, let's get. Uh, there are uh, plenty of things going on on Saturday with women's basketball, wrestling, and track and field. Unfortunately, none of that stuff is on campus. But Sunday, it's the sport that never sleeps. It's women's tennis, and it will be back on campus on the 15th with a doubleheader. Noon and 6 o'clock. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, like you said, uh, women's tennis and men's tennis, for that matter, are the sport that never sleeps. Um, coming up on Sunday, January 15th at noon, we play Memphis. And then at 6, we play Chicago State. So it is a awesome doubleheader, full day of tennis. So if you're looking to go out to a free event, tennis is a great place to go at the Schwartz Tennis Center over located by the soccer field and Alexander Field as well as the softball field. So it's in a very recognizable location and easy to get to. Um, and then on Monday, we will have men's tennis to kick off their season as well. Um, and they will be playing at noon against Dayton. 
Very simple. Get on over to the, you know where the Schwartz is at. Come on, get over to the Schwartz and watch some tennis this weekend. And then, uh, as, uh, as, as we noted earlier, uh, also on Monday is that uh, game in East Lansing uh, against Michigan State on uh, MLK Day. Uh, we will remind you, that is an early tip-off, 2.30 with the tip-off on that one on Fox uh, with the holiday. So uh, don't let that one catch you by surprise. Uh, that will be an uh, afternoon game. So, again, keep an eye out, PurdueSports.com, social media pages about those biddings and, and the uh, ribbon board messages, which you can uh, get in on now. It's uh, it's a great way to support your Boilermakers and support great causes at the same time. Scott, Caitlin, Purdue Sports, uh, that's a busy week for you guys. Thank you, as always, and uh, Boiler Up. Boiler Up. Big thanks to those guys. It is the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer. Uh, all right, I wanted to. I mentioned this a little bit earlier in uh, in my tweets, but there's this rumor going around yesterday. Somebody named Mark Fisarelli is that how I say? His Twitter says he's a freelance NCAA basketball writer covering Northwestern and UIC. So, in the region, had a tweet that caught the eye of Boilermaker Nation, hearing that Matt Painter is atop the shortlist for the University of Texas head coaching search. Other names include Jamie Dixon, Ed Cooley, and John Calipari. Longhorns will break the bank for a winning coach. I'll tell you what. First off, a golf clap for you, Boilermaker Nation, because you did exactly what you did at that tweet, and you laughed. Thinking there's no way Matt Painter is going to leave Purdue. It's all modern. Been here for 18 years, just up and leave for a paycheck at Texas. That's what you should have done. Then you had that little, well, hold on a second, wait a minute. When he did go through that thing with Missouri, remember? Things are very, very different now than they were back then. Very different. I'll tell you, though, I just don't see it happening. First off, consider the source. Uh, A Northwestern Hoops beat writer all of a sudden has a freelance beat writer. All of a sudden has the goods on this. Yeah. Second off, I look at the other names here, and Matt Painter's not going. Jamie Dixon, yeah, sure, why not? He's still down at TCU, right? The Texas guy, that makes sense. Ed Cooley, again, great job with Providence. This guy has lived in the northeast corner of the country and coached for how long his entire career, hasn't he? At UMass, Stonehill, Rhode Island, Boston College, Fairfield, and at Providence. So he's been up there since... 95? They're not breaking. He's not going. No. That's not happening. John Calipari? Yeah, sure. Him and Jamie Dixon? There you go. That makes sense. But I guess the point that you should uh, get with this here, though, is Purdue fans, is that of course Matt Painter would be a top of the list. Why, why would you not at least call? Why would you not see what he's done here over the last several years in finding some real gems of players, developing them into some uh, serious NBA talent and not think that's a guy that you would want to coach uh, and a guy, too, that does everything the right way. You could argue that maybe Texas has some more resources for you as well. They're certainly going to have more money flowing into the programs. Can you imagine what Matt Painter could do with that? But he's just not... It's it's not his M.O. It's not the guy. He's been here for 18 years. 
Certainly he's had some chances. I think he wants nothing more than to make a Final Four here and win a national championship at Purdue. And until he does that, I don't know that he has interest. But if you're Texas and you're coming up with a list of guys that you would want to coach your program after the Chris Beard fallout, of course you would put a guy like Matt Painter on top of your list. So it's not crazy, but at the same time, come on. Consider where the source is. Consider what it's doing. It's a short phone conversation if it even gets made. We're going to take our final break. We'll wrap up with the things that we missed and more next. Listening to the Hammer Down Show on 1017, the Hammer and 1017. Hey, welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and uh, 1017thehammer.com. Uh, big thank you to our friends Dustin Napirak for being on today. Great co- great conversation on the Pacers, man. I, I tell you what, you know, I check in every now and then. It's not a passion of mine, I'll be honest. Uh, but I like Halliburton. Heels knocking down threes. You feel like they got some pieces, and he agrees with that too. But uh, it was just a great convo to get a better idea of exactly where this team is in the hierarchy of the East, what it needs moving forward. And I was just really interested to hear his uh, take on the differences between covering a college program like Indiana and then jumping into the NBA and covering that beat. It's uh, it a great lesson, too. It was great. Uh, let's get to some of the things that we, uh, that we missed. Last night's college football championship game. Oh, woof. Was that a stinker of a game? And I know a lot of people are upset, like we couldn't get a better matchup. This has happened how many times in the last four or five of these things have all been double-digit games. There's not been a barn burner. There has not been. There goes um, Vince Young into the corner for the lead. We just don't get it anymore. I don't know if the competitive balance is off. TCU does not bring it. Do they not belong there to begin with? I don't know. I don't know how to fix that game. You know, Michigan goes back and forth. Did TCU just have an incredible game against Michigan? Would Michigan have done much better against Georgia? I don't think it would be as one-sided of Michigan play. I think it would be a little bit closer. I don't think Georgia would have scored as much with Michigan. But I'll tell you this, watching that game, I gotta ask myself, how much better would Michigan have actually done in that game? It's certainly better than TCU, but I don't know how much better than TCU. I mean, Georgia was just so dominant in so many aspects of that game. Forced three turnovers, the time of possession. Almost 37 to 23 minutes. 32 first downs as opposed to 9 for TCU. 589 yards of offense. 335 through the year. 254. Who told you that that, de- that rushing defense was switch cheese? But still, 36 yards rushing for TCU. I mean... Georgia brought it in every phase of the game. 17 points in the first, 21 in the second, 14 in the third, 
Third team from the fourth. Kirby Smart's out here going for it on fourth down and five. No mercy. I don't know how you fix it. I just don't. I mean, Georgia, uh, McIntosh was the leading rusher with 50 yards. Eight carries and 50 yards. The team ran for 254. I mean, they had, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different guys registered carries. And the worst one was one carry for 14 yards. They were just so dominant in so many phases last night. It was just their night. It was. Also, on things we missed, I hate commenting on this kind of stuff, but um, the Barstool Indiana account, again, I, I know people feel certain ways about Barstool, and I know it's like interns and kids that run this thing. Um, down on IU basketball, and IU basketball players in the comments on Instagram, Miller Cobb calling uh, a bunch of pencil neck clowns on this app. Look us in the eyes and you'd be quiet as can be. Guaranteed that. Anthony Leal wants you to keep that same energy. There's some other... Miller Cobb really got into it with some of these people. I never liked Matt Painter's social media ban, and I, I like that he opened it back up, let players be players. But this is the type of stuff that you try to avoid as a coach by keeping them off of the social... Nothing good happens there for them. Understand that. As, as good of a community we think we have and as supportive as you think we are of our players, I guarantee you get into the DMs, especially after a loss, you will see things that shock you. Grown men with their pictures up there, their place of business, what they do, all that stuff, and will say the most repugnant things about these people, about these players. Nothing good. I, I don't know how they handle this stuff. But the, I will tell you this. Uh, hopping in the comment section and then fighting, it's not, it's not good for them. It's not healthy for you. I know you want to defend yourself. I know you're frustrated. You, you just can't do that. It's not a good look. It doesn't do anybody any favors, especially you. And I just, I, I hate to see it. All right, that does it for the show today. We're back again tomorrow. We'll have some basketball tickets for you to win as well. Back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock on the Hammer Down Show on 101.